From the garden level of Harvard Medical School's historic Vanderbilt Hall in Boston, this is Think Research, a podcast that discusses the stories behind medical research. I'm Abby, your host. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center. Plastic surgery is often misunderstood. Take the name. The word plastic comes from the Greek meaning to mold. It's not a reference to the material. Second, the vast majority of procedures that plastic surgeons do are not purely cosmetic. Plastic surgeons are vital in repairing and restoring function for patients after traumatic injuries or surgeries to remove cancerous tissues. In fact, the first organ transplant was performed by a plastic surgeon. On today's episode, Dr. Giorgio Jetsidis talks about his research, which focuses on translational approaches for soft tissue reconstruction, wound healing, and skeletal muscle regeneration. One of his research projects uses stem cells derived from fat to create tissues in the lab rather than taking them from the body of the patient themselves or another patient. Dr. Jetsidis is an investigator in the Division of Plastic Surgery in the Department of Surgery at Brigham and Women's Hospital and an instructor in surgery at Harvard Medical School. In 2016, he received the Stepping Strong Trauma Research Fellowship from the Jillian Rennie Stepping Strong Center at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. Hello, Dr. Jetsidis. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us how you got started in your field? What's your background? Where did you go to school? Yes. So... Um, I come from a family of doctors, so I might have been somehow brainwashed when I was younger. And I got to med school and uh, did my residency back home, which is Italy for me. Uh, when I was uh, in med school uh, a long time ago, um, I, I, I got really fascinated about the field of plastic and reconstructive surgery, so the possibility to reconstruct the function or the shape of tissues. But um, there was not a plastic surgery program at my university, even if it was um, a very good university. Um, so I remember I attended a conference by chance in my, in my uh, hometown in Milano. And there was this uh, professor from MIT, Ioannis Yannas, that came and talked about his experience developing an artificial skin that uh, is now used worldwide uh, for patients victim of burns or trauma or chronic wounds. And I talked to him, I tried to, I'm a half Greek, he's a Greek, so I tried to play the Greek card and I asked if I could come for a summer internship uh, to MIT. Uh, I was a med student and he, he gave me his email, it was very nice. So six months after I follow up and um, I write him and he tells me, Giorgio, of course, uh, you're welcome to come, but I'm a chemical engineer. Why don't you reach out to my friend, Dennis Orgel, who is a plastic surgeon at Brigham Women's Hospital. You wanna, you're an MD student, you want to become a plastic surgeon. So um, that's what I did, and uh, Dr. Orgel accepted me as a summer student. I was here at Brigham for three months. It was a life-changing experience. First time I ever thought I was stepping out of an OR to go, not, not even like to go to, to uh, you know, a bedside, but now it was even like more, it was a bench and a lab, uh, but I loved it. And this has kind of shaped my attitude towards, you know, medicine and uh, my residency down the road. I 
kept a strong interest in preclinical and translational research. I've kept in touch with uh, Dr. Orgil um, while I was doing my residency back home. And uh, when I was given the opportunity to do one year of research uh, during my residency, I called him and I thought, uh, and uh, we, we chat uh, to see if it was a good idea to, to come here again and do something together uh, more closely. And he, we, that's what happened. Uh, I came. And after that, I decided to, to stay a bit longer and uh, pursue research uh, with him here at Brigham. Can you tell us about your current research? What are you doing right now? It's always very hard, but nice for me to explain what plastic surgeons do and um, why um, we do uh, a large variety of things that people doesn't think of. One of my first mentors in plastic surgery one time asked me to name those surgeons that received a Nobel Prize for Physiology and Medicine, that's the, uh, the name, um, since the Nobel Prize were uh, established. And I think this has been uh, the last 120 years. Not many surgeons actually have got it, have received it for surgical related reason. And I don't want to get wrong, to be wrong, but I think there are only four or five. Um, the last one of them um, was uh, Joseph Murray in 1991, um, and before him uh, there was another one in the 50s. So I uh, would like to say that the, la the only surgeon to receive a Nobel Prize in the last 70 years was Joseph Murray. And Joseph Murray was a plastic surgeon, who was actually the chief of plastic surgery here at Brigham Women's Hospital. So. I always like to ask people, why do you think of no, a plastic surgeon received a Nobel Prize? And he received it because he did the first ever kidney transplant. It's actually the first ever organ transplant here at Brigham. And the, the second question is, why a plastic surgeon performed the first kidney transplant? What does a plastic surgeon have to do with it? Well, you, you know, modern plastic surgery was, has a... Um, expanded uh, significantly during the first and second world war to take care of injured warriors and uh, joseph murray was a, a, a military plastic surgeon and was taking care of a lot of patients with burns and one way to repair burns is to uh, graft so transplant skin from one part of the body to another when you don't have enough skin on the body of the person you take it from someone else and he noticed that when he was taking skin from someone else, uh, this skin was rejecting. But if he was taking skin from someone that was somehow um, a relative, uh, this skin was rejecting less, and the closer the relative was rejecting less. So he teamed up with um, um, other investigators here in Harvard. Uh, they figured out that um, basically if they were going to take organs from individuals that were sharing a genetic background, uh, these might have not been rejected. He was a skilled surgeon, usually plastics are, and so that led to the first kidney. I always tell this story to highlight how plastic surgery is a, plastic surgery is a very creative uh, discipline. There is um, no area of the body, no tissue that clearly defines the specialty. It's more about putting together pieces to reconstruct uh, uh, a missing part in the shape, but also in the function. And plastic surgeons are very open-minded in terms of research to advance the possibility that we have to 
put together these pieces or expand the number of pieces that we have to uh, reconstruct tissues. Um, so with this introduction, um, my research focuses on ways to develop new treatments to reconstruct missing tissues. Um, and we do this uh, with combining different approaches uh, that range from the use of uh, scaffolds and so tissue engineering to the use of cells or stem cells to the use of uh, mechanical forces and devices. Every time uh, I'm asked uh, what's, what, what I do, I always say I'm a doctor and then they ask me what kind of doctor, I say I'm a surgeon. And then they ask me which kind of surgeon and I, I go with reconstructive, even if the actual name is plastic. Um, contrary to what people think, people think that plastics comes from the material, but plastic comes from a Greek word that, which means to mold. And that's what plastic surgeons do. Plastic surgeons reshape, um, uh, move around, and um, uh, tailor tissues to restore a missing uh, shape or a missing function. Um, this is what 99.9% .9 of times plastic surgeons do, and this is what this discipline is about. But uh, it's not what the discipline is known for. Aesthetics is a part of plastic surgery, and I think this is one of the nice things of our specialty is that uh, we don't only, as a main goal, try to restore a function, but we also try to restore uh, the appearance of that uh, part of the body, because we think that the appearance also is part of the function, in particular if you think of that from a psychological or societal point of view. Uh, another. Um, example I always make uh, to people is if you think of sp uh, you know specialties for example cardiologists they study the heart uh, neurosurgeons they work on the brain uh, orthopedics work on bones dermatologists on the skin uh, but if I ask people what part of the body or what tissue plastic surgeon work on they don't really have an idea and that's because we are the only specialty that is not really regional is not focused on a tissue, but it's focused on a concept, the concept of restoring and repairing. I, I teach sometimes at um, our medical school and I always like to uh, make example to the students of how a muscle can be taken uh, from the leg to reconstruct um, the oral floor or how we can take and we take uh, pieces of intestine to reconstruct the esophagus after this has been removed because of cancer. How we can take a piece of fascia from the leg and uh, reconstruct a smile in person that had, had it lost because of uh, uh, surgery to the facial nerve. Um, how we can take a, a nerve, how we can take a skin. And you know, if you talk with plastic surgeons, this is what um, fascinates them about the specialty, but it's also the, what threatens the specialty. Because the fact that we do not have uh, our own body part, you know, it means that nobody will usually refer patients to plastic surgeons. Which kind of patient would you refer to a plastic surgeon? Probably just an aesthetic patient, because most of people, most of other docs don't know of what the other things we do. And if the patient has a problem to the skin, probably you would refer him to a dermatologist. If it's a problem to uh, the head and neck, we'll go to the ENT. So um, the only re and what happens is that uh, the only re way for us, for the specialty to survive, is 
always to innovate. And that is why plastic surgeons have always been um, very prone to do research and trying to push the boundaries of the specialty. That's um, partially because they are creative, partially because they need, they need to do it to survive. Is there a particular population you work with in doing this? In reconstructive plastic surgery, um, the question, when you develop a method to reconstruct tissues, the good thing is that this method can apply to a large variety of cases. For example, when we develop a method to reconstruct soft tissues, this can be used to uh, treat patients that have uh, traumatic defects and soft tissue losses because of a car accident, but could also help uh, patients that had undergone um, surgical removal of soft tissues, for example, in breast cancer, or could also help pediatric patients that were born without soft tissues for a congenital anomaly or malformation. So um, we develop tools and these tools are put on the table of the plastic surgeon and the plastic surgeon can use it in a large variety of cases. Our main focus, however, are always traumatic injuries and that's uh, because trauma is a big area of need, always neglected, uh, even if it's the first by far cause of death and disability in adult Americans, um, the amount of funding that uh, trauma research receives is minimal. Um, and the other one is reconstruction after oncologic resection. And that's because of course, the impact of uh, cancers, in particular breast cancer, skin cancers, head and neck cancer. Um, what happens is basically, you, you have to think that for all cancers, there, um, regional surgeon usually come in, comes in and remove the, the cancer and then always usually leaves a hole behind because it's removed the tissue. And that's when they call the plastic surgeon and they say, well, we have a hole, can you fix it? And so we have to figure out which tissue we have, which tissue engineered tissues we have um, to reconstruct that defect. Can you explain what you're doing in the lab or what your team is doing in the lab? So we are in particular developing new ways to reconstruct soft tissues. Uh, soft tissues could be skin or adipose tissue. We use this to uh, reshape a missing uh, uh, tissue and a defect, but we use this also to restore a function. And the way we do this is to by developing scaffolds, so tissue endurance scaffolds, we have different approaches uh, using biological scaffolds derived from um, extracellular metric components or derived from decellularized tissue and um, donor tissue. And we combine this with stem cells that we obtain from fat. Um, a lot of people doesn't know that uh, adipose tissue, the belly that we really hate, actually contains um, uh, a lot of uh, mesenchymal stem cells in higher quantity than the bone marrow, and this can be used to reconstruct or regenerate tissues. And uh, the third approach we, that we use is um, integrate mechanical forces. This is something else that is usually um, uh, not very well known. But basically, all our uh, tissues and cells react, sense the mechanical forces in the surrounding environment and react to them. Um, the, the easiest example you can think of is during a pregnancy, for example. 
you have a baby inside the abdomen and basically this the growing of the baby uh, stretches the skin and the skin also expands but we can use this biological principle for example in plastic surgery to put tissue expanders and expand the skin before doing a breast reconstruction what we do in the lab is to study how we can um, tune and modify the mechanical forces we deliver to different type of tissues to induce the biological response that we want. For example, we uh, found out that if we apply controlled suction to, to skin, we can improve the amount of blood vessels in the skin um, without any invasive uh, procedure. And if you think of that, improving the uh, blood vessels in skin is uh, something that uh, can help skin survive to any type of injury, uh, for example, uh, trauma or a, a chronic wound due to diabetes. The research we are doing, as I said before, um, we are in that area of research which is trying to translate innovation from uh, the bench to the bedside. So um, our efforts, our current and future efforts are always aimed to actually translate this. My, my mentor, uh, Dennis Orgel always likes to say that more than seeing his uh, research um, published on a nice uh, journal, he would like to have his uh, scene applied to his patients. And the more year passes, the more he gets close to retirement. I'm still young, <laughs> but that's that's my goal too. I'm, I'm a surgeon first, and um, all the research we do, uh, um, we try to do it in a way that will uh, get to the patients. This is very difficult. It's not easy because a lot of good ideas, a lot of good approaches work uh, um, uh, in a lab, but they, they're difficult to translate to patient care because of regulatory issues, financial issues. So we try to um, tailor our approach uh, in what we do uh, to take, uh, take this into account. Uh, and I, I believe that's the, the biggest challenge um, in, in what reconstructive surgery does today, um, to do something that uh, will be able to impact patients in not too long time. Thank you again for joining us, Dr. Jetsidis. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Next time on Think Research... And it really blew my mind that we could use chemistry to predict A, who would wake up out of the coma, and B, what kind of condition they'd be in. Because you can measure things like, for example, neuronal health uh, without having to do any kind of invasive surgery. And that to me just was, was mind-blowing. Dr. Alex Lin talks about his work using magnetic resonance spectroscopy to study traumatic brain injury. Harvard Catalyst Think Research is supported by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. Subscribe to Think Research on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about our podcast or suggest topics for future episodes, visit our website, www.catalyst.harvard.edu slash thinkresearch. Thank you.